Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church Podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. Years ago, uh, there were awards developed called the Darwin Awards, and they kind of gave these prizes uh, to people who unfortunately met their end doing something that most would consider stupid or not smart. And so uh, I I wondered if they were still going on, and they still had awards from 2022, and one of the winners of a Darwin Award uh, was a Russian soldier. And after they'd attacked the Ukraine and, and pushed some of the people out of uh, some buildings in a village, uh, one of the Russian soldiers found a MacBook. And he really wanted a MacBook, but he really didn't have a way to carry it, so he had an idea. He took the, the armor plating out of the center of his chest and instead put the MacBook in his armor so he could carry it. Needless to say, it's the Darwin Awards. That didn't go too well. Some Ukrainian soldiers found him later uh, with a hole through the armor and through the MacBook. You know, he didn't plan on somebody shooting him. If he had planned on it, he would have never made the switch. A lot of the things that we do or the times we mess up, we don't make plans to do it. I know a lot of times I still do this. I've done it since high school. It's, you know what? I don't need to write that down. I will remember. I plan to remember. My wife asked me to get something at the store. Oh, you got it. I come home. I don't have it. But, you know, I I, I had the intentions. I didn't plan to forget. It just happened. And that's the thing. No one plans to. A lot of things we have happen in life or that we don't make plans you know, no one makes plans in years to, to have to file bankruptcy. Nobody plans that or hopes that's what happens. Nobody plans to become addicted to something, whether it's substances or whether it's pornography. Nobody plans to do things so that then they can hide them and that they can lie and lie some more and lose the trust and confidence of their family. No one in here is planning on doing any of those things. We never plan to make a mess. We never plan to wreck our life. But one of the problems is this. We also don't plan not to. We just don't think it would happen or that we would never do that. And so one of the things we decide, and we've said the decision point, the time is to decide in advance rather than in a situation, is how are we going to face temptation? How are we going to deal with temptation? So when we get into the moment, we don't just do what comes by impulse or what feels good. But when our values are decided ahead of time, it gives us a lot more strength to live more consistently with who God wants us to be. And we've all given in at some point to temptation, and we didn't plan it. We didn't say, you know what, I'm going to plan this. We might say, well, I was just in this situation, and I wasn't thinking, I wasn't planning to do this. I was with this group of people, and it just everybody was doing this, and so, so I did. Or it was just the circumstances of everything. Or it, maybe we were honest, you know, I was just weak. 
and one of the reasons we weren't ready. 1 Corinthians 10 says, So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. So in 1 Corinthians 10, that's what some say, if you think you're standing firm, we have to be careful lest we fall. You know, even when we think we are doing well and can feel and maybe are doing well, we still need to be aware. We still need to be strong because that's what Scripture says, to be careful or we could fall. I think one good example of this is it was a well-known minister in the 80s who had really gotten national prominence and was very good in his teachings, and his name was Gordon MacDonald. But somewhere down the road, Gordon MacDonald had an affair and had to step out of ministry for a long time. And he ruined his reputation and all the, a lot of the work that he had accomplished. And in talking about that, he said, you know, beforehand, if somebody asked him what his strengths were, he said he would have answered, without a doubt, moral purity. I mean, he said he was standing firm. He was being faithful. With, without question, he said moral purity would be his strength, that he didn't think there's any way that he would fail in that way that he did, having an affair. And what he said was an unguarded strength became a double weakness because he felt like he was strong in that area, he wasn't tempted, and then the temptation came along and he wasn't ready. Everything was going well. He didn't plan to ruin everything. Second Corinthians 2 says, when Paul writes about some commands that he's given them, he says, I have done this so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. And that's 2 Corinthians 2, 11. He says that Satan, we have to remember, Satan has plans. He has schemes. He plans for us to fail. He plans, he wants us to sin. But at the same time, we have to plan not to. We have to be aware that Satan is real, that he has plans. Now, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. But his goal uh, through other things, is to get us to fail. And, and that's the question. Will we be ready? Because we will be tempted. You will be tempted. And that's the first one thing we have to remember in how to prepare is know that you will be tempted. It's not a matter of if, but when. In James chapter 1, it says, no one undergoing trials should say, I am being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, he gives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So in that first verse, in verse 13, it says, No one undergoing trial. That word for trial is the same word as temptation. It's a testing. And that's what he says, no one undergoing temptation should say that I'm being tempted by God, that God is perfect, God is holy, God is righteous, that God, there is no darkness and light, God and evil have no connection. So, so God cannot tempt us with evil. You know, some believe, you know, in some religions, God or God is capricious. He can uh, move us to good, but he can also move us to evil. But the true God is perfect. He is holy. Sin goes against everything he is about. It's Satan's scheme and Satan's plan, Jesus said 
Jesus called him a thief and said he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his goal, the end goal of his scheme, of his plan. The purpose of God's laws and the reason Jesus came was so that we could have life and have it to the full, which means our lives will be in alignment. That is the purpose of God's law, to, to help us fully live life. He wants our lives to be in alignment with Him and in harmony with others, and that's where we, how life works. That's how we find true contentment. In fact, God's laws are just Him letting us know this is how life works. And if you go against this, it's going to cause chaos. It's going to cause problems. Eventually, it can destroy you. Now, I know if you've ever had a chainsaw, you know, I got a chainsaw a couple years ago, and you go through the manual, and I've never heard anybody say, you know, this chainsaw manual, it's so restrictive. Like, it's don't do this, and don't do that, and wear safety glasses. You know what? There are so many things you could do with this chainsaw. Just have fun. Just throw the book away. I'm going to do what I want. That would be disastrous. And that's what God's laws are basically telling us. It's not to hem us in. It's to give us life. It's to protect us from our own bad decisions. And just as physical laws govern the universe, God's moral law is really just how life works. And if we break it, life falls apart. So His laws are really to give us contentment and joy in our soul and our relationships with Him and others. And what causes problems are, are disruptions in that, and the disruptions are caused by sin. But now we live in, a, I think, an increasingly more challenging culture and society. Uh, we live in a culture that's approving of every new sin and any new behavior that somebody wants to identify as or say that they are. Now behavior is our identity. And so things that were wrong, all of a sudden, become celebrated. They're justified. They're, and it's embraced. And to say that something is wrong is the wrong thing. But it's interesting, as we live in this society that is more liberating, that is more freeing, that is more permissive and embracing of any kind of behavior, and increasingly new behaviors come around every year that all were wrong, and all of a sudden they're right, The more we do that, it's interesting, the more issues we have, the more discontentment, the more anger, the more violence. And we can't violate God's laws in one area and expect everything else in life to go well and have some sort of utopia. It's kind of like kids. If you just left kids to themselves, picture middle school students said, just do whatever you want. Oh, they'd have a blast for a while, you know, but in a while it's going to be pretty bad. And that's what we see happening. And so Satan really is a master at sophisticating sin, at making it seem enlightened. And that's why temptation can be so challenging. You know, even today, if, if you don't approve of this behavior or accept it, well, you're just old-fashioned, you're, you're outdated, you're narrow-minded. A new, sophisticated person thinks this way, even though nobody thought that five years ago, and you're just thinking that because you've seen that in the media and have accepted it, but it's enlightened. It's what modern people think. And so medias and celebrities, they embrace and they endorse new behaviors. It's celebrated in sitcoms. And then when somebody does what everybody says they should do, they're called bold. 
It was so bold for them to do this. But that's nothing new. You know, you can go through the Old Testament, and you can go through Jesus' day, and you can see it's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. It's the same lies being repackaged in different ways. And one thing about the Internet I have found out, you know, especially since social media, is that people can argue in support of anything. It doesn't matter what it is. There will be people that will argue that anything, even the most ghastly behavior or whatever, is okay, and there's a way to justify it, that there's no end to the rationale that can be provided for people if they want to do something. Even for some Christians who believe the Bible, there are people that will change Scripture and say, this isn't really what it's saying. It, it can happen anything. You know, we can look at one area, you know, sexual identity, sex outside of marriage became acceptable, and then same-sex relationships became acceptable. Even some in, that would say they were Christian would say, well, as long as it's two loving people in a committed relationship. So they put a Christian version and the worldly version, but then you've got to think, well, who says two is the rule? You know, that's just another arbitrary rule, and now some are pushing for more than two people to be in a committed relationship, in polyamorous relationships. There is no end to what can come. And Satan isn't dumb. He uses our sinful nature against us. <clears throat> and his goal, again, is to steal our joy, to rob us of life, and to kill our relationship with God. And ultimately, it's to destroy us by separating us for eternity from God, which is how Jesus describe hell. That's what hell is, a separation from God. And that's what James said. He said, sin, when fully blown, gives birth to death. Now, I was reading the other day, 111 years ago is when the Titanic disaster happened. Now, let that sink in. See, this group laughed a little more than first service. You know, it, it wasn't... Sometimes I know a joke isn't good, and I just tell it anyway. I didn't plan to do it. I did. I did. I'm just kidding. But you know what caused the Titanic to sink? The rivets were made of an inferior metal. They weren't as the quality that they were supposed to be. They should have been able to withstand the impact of the iceberg, but once they started to give, everything fell apart. And the cause was just those rivets. And it's interesting that it's the small things, it's the little compromises that can cause the big disasters. So one thing we have to know, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when we'll be tempted. And here's another thing we have to understand. We're not as strong as we think, but God is faithful. That's the good news. There's this thing called restraint bias, and it's pretty interesting. We overestimate our ability to resist temptation. And they say in the cold state, when we're thinking about it ahead of time, I would never do that. I would never look at that. I would never say that. In the cold state, it's always easy. But in the hot state, in the heat, and we say even say that, in the heat of the moment, it becomes harder. And we overestimate our ability to withstand temptation, to withstand our impulsive behaviors. How many of you have ever started a diet? And it seems so easy. You know what? I'm going to do this. Boom, boom, boom. And then somehow 
you encounter hot, fresh, white chocolate chip macadamia cookies that are soft. It seems so easy a minute ago. You know, tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I'm only two days in. Well, how, how bad can this be? We overestimate, and the, the part of our brain that kind of controls willpower wears out. We're not as strong as we think. And we've done that. You know what? I'm, I'm going to control my temper. I'm going to try not to yell. You know, I'm going to resist overeating. You know, I'm going to hold my anger in at work, and maybe you succeed, and then it just comes out somewhere else. The good thing is we're not as strong as we think, but God is faithful. It says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. So he says that there's no temptation that, that is so strong that we can't resist, that we can't control it. There's no unique temptation to you that, that other people don't face. And it says God is faithful. That's the important thing. We don't just have our own strength. As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us. None of us face a temptation that's impossible to resist. In fact, if we couldn't resist one, we would do it in public. You know, one of the big thing, reasons we don't do something, we're afraid of getting caught. That, that, puts a, that means we can control it. But the good news is God is faithful. He provides ways out. That doesn't mean it's hard, it's, that it's not hard, that it's not difficult. But God will provide a way out. And we all face different temptations. You know, some may not like white chocolate chip macadamia cookies, you know, and they're the weird ones in life. They're the ones you have to watch out for. But some do, you know, some might be tempted to go off the diet for something else. But the temptation, and it's important to understand, it's not the temptation that is the sin. And so what are some ways out of temptation? One is put distance between yourself and the temptation. Put distance. If you overspend online, delete the app or, or don't put your credit cards in your phone so that it is easy. If you're on the phone too much, set a screen time limit and, and look at it and have someone hold you accountable to that. When it comes to phones and, and messaging, and, and you're married, have an open phone policy where you know each other's passwords. You know, I remember when they came out with the app, the first one I know, I'm sure there were others, when Snapchat came out, and I was, what's Snapchat? You know, there's one more thing, but it's a thing where messages disappear. I was like, I knew right away what that was for. You know, there was no way around that. We don't need things that hide what we're going to do. Uh, environment, maybe sometimes it's friends that when you're with them, good things don't happen. Now, Scripture tells us to watch the environment. It says, bad company corrupts good character. You know, the old country preacher said, if you don't intend on going in the house, stay off the front porch. You know, you might take that a measure further. Don't go in the yard. You know, don't go down the street. Sometimes we face temptations because we put ourselves in those situations. I mean, how would you feel, what would you feel like if one day you're taking a flight and the pilot gets on and says, hey, everybody, welcome, you know, to Delta Airlines. I just want you to know I've done something very unique today. 
I'm trying to see how little fuel I can put in the plane and still reach our destination. Now, that would be very comforting to know. Now, you take off, but you just hope the landing is going to be better. And sometimes we do that with temptation. We see how much we can handle, how, much, how close we can get to the line. And in our world, it's easy to justify anything we want. We can find an article, somebody who's smart and good with words that can make anything sound good, even Christian sources sometimes. I read about this hunter, and he was about to take down a bear, and as the bear looked and he saw the hunter, he he started to talk to the hunter. And this is the part where you know this isn't a real story, just to be clear. And, And so he said, what is it that you want? Maybe we can talk. If we sit down and the hunter says, well, maybe we can, and they sit down together, and the hunter says, well, I want a fur coat. The bear goes, okay, I want a meal. I think we can come to a resolution. And the bear walked off alone, and the bear had his meal, and the hunter had his fur coat. You know, I'll hear a lot, well, we need to have the discussion about this, about some new thing, some new behavior. We need to have at least have the discussion. And rarely is it a discussion. It's usually a one-way monologue about why something is okay. And we need to at least talk about it. There's, some, there's no new nuance. You know, when it comes to what God is clear in His Word about what's right and wrong, we, we don't need to have the discussion. There's no new nuance. The, the church has missed for 2,000 years in Scripture. In the Garden of Eden, if you go back, you know what it started with? A discussion. Let's just have a discussion about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know what God is really thinking here and and why he tells you this. And we know the rest of the story. When it's clear in God's word, there doesn't need to be a discussion. The problem is when the discussion starts, we start to justify maybe one area. And well, everybody has their sin. I've seen this one a lot. You know, and everybody's a sinner. So if I sin in this way, it's so... Okay. Well, it's really not that bad compared to what other people are doing, and maybe we rationalize why. Well, if they didn't do this, if my wife didn't, if my husband didn't, I wouldn't do this. Well, well, this situation is just not fair. It's not right. So be sure to put your distance between you and the temptation and the rationalization. Second thing is this, magnify the consequences. You know, one of the great uh, things, the strength we have, if some are afraid they get caught. That's why if people weren't afraid of getting caught, it's amazing what things would be like. They've gone through riots. Why do normal people in riots do things they would never do in real life? Because they don't think they're going to get caught. And they're in the crowd. There are no worries. They're not going to arrest everybody. So people who would normally never do certain things will do those things. Picture the worst-case scenario. If I get caught, what is going to happen? Satan's always offering a trade. It's, hey, you'll, you'll win short-term. You can have this immediately, but in the long run, you're going to ruin your marriage. You'll lose your children's respect. You'll destroy your testimony and your witness. It'll be discouragement to others. Picture what could really happen. You know, when celebrities get caught, they're... And people on TV, when some big scandal happens, notice they're not really sorry for what they did. They're sorry that they got caught because they lied about it up until they couldn't lie about it any longer. 
1 Timothy 5 says, Some people's sins are obvious, preceding them to the judgment, but the sins of others surface later. Another version I like says, The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them, but the sins of others are trailing behind them. We have to know also we never get away with it. That's what he says. Some people we don't know, but they will surface later. And the third is this, plan the escape. If you know the story of Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his brothers into Egypt. If anybody had an unfair life, it was Joseph, but he was made a slave and he rose to be placed in command of the household. And it talks about this man, Potiphar, and it says, he left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, sleep with me. That would have been easy for Joseph to give in. I imagine the influential man Potiphar had an attractive wife. Joseph was well built and handsome and he was a young man. It would have been easy with the life that he'd had and what he'd been cheated out of. But here's the problem. You often use your disappointments to justify disobedience. You know, that's what it's tempting to do. Our disobedience, well, it's because of this, and I deserve this. But Joseph, remarkably, he says no. He talks about the consequences. He says, my master trusts me with everything in his household. How could I do this and sin against him and God? This isn't just you and me. This is about others I have a relationship and ultimately about God. But he's a slave in the house. He can't avoid her. It says day after day she pursued Joseph until one day he's trapped and she tries to drag him to the bedroom and he slips out of his coat and runs away. He he leaves his coat. One of the best advices in Scripture for temptation, and Joseph shows it literally here, is to flee. Sometimes there's nothing you can do but leave the situation. Get out of it. No time to think. Apologize. Just leave. I like what one man said. Joseph chose he'd rather have a good name than a good coat. It may have been giving something up. It may have meant sacrifice, but Joseph's integrity was intact. So when you can't do the others, the only option is to escape. And and realize that your life, your, your family, your true contentment can be lost, and ultimately, your relationship with God. So it's important to decide in advance who you're going to be, how you're going to deal with things that come your way that want to cause you to compromise. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at PomonaChristian.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. Thank you.